coming at it from a kind of a mindful point of view is really saying, what are your goals here? What are your goals? Are your goals simply to see somebody in their humanity and not have that person see you? What if your goal is to see them? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. So hello. I'm like, so this is normally how I start the show. It's like this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am joined. Sorry, I just slammed my hand just then. Um, I'm joined by a very special guest today. I actually have been wanting to chat with her for a long time. I've been a big fan of her work. And now we have her on the show and I have so many questions for her. I believe she's going to provide a lot of wisdom and insight to all of us. And I'm so excited to have Anne Alexander, editor-in-chief of mindful.org here with us today. That's my, so clap, that's my clap track, Anne. Thank you. Well, here's all clap back right at you. And, <laughs> and I'm just thrilled. And just, you have an amazing platform. So I am just honored and delighted to be here and participate in it. So thank oh. you. Well, you know, it seems, so we're in 2020, we're in the middle of a quarantine pandemic. We have um, some incredible social movements happening right now. There's just a lot of things going on. I feel like every week in 2020 has been something new and uh, confronting. So I'm, I'm curious to talk to you about a lot of different things. Um, the first thing that I would love for you to share with our audience is um, just a little bit about yourself, who you are, and, and what your role is in the world of mindfulness. Sure. Well, my role in, in mindfulness is I'm the editor of, of Mindful, and we have mindful.org, which we get about a million users a month, and we also have Mindful Magazine. And I've been practicing different forms of mindfulness and meditation for well, this is my 20s, and I'm, I just turned 56. So that's a lot of years. You know, that's like 30 years of, of meditation, 30 years of mindfulness. Um, but, you know, we didn't call it mindfulness at the time. I mean, we called it, you know, meditation. I've been on a very, you know, just a, um, a long and winding path. I mean, I was the editor-in-chief of a magazine called Natural Health, like way back in the day. And, you know, I've been, I've done a tremendous, you know, a lot of number of things. I've written for the New York Times. I've worked at Vogue. I've been a senior vice president at National Geographic, done, been editor-in-chief of Prevention Magazine. I've launched magazines and websites and brands all around the world. I've written two New York Times best-selling books. So I've just, yeah, thank you. So, you know, like over your life. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, so it's really just been a, a, an incredibly kind of cosmopolitan journey. And, you know, right now, I'm just lucky that I get to work with extraordinary people at Mindful. And, you know, Mindful is kind of, 
at the sort of the epicenter of the mindfulness movement. It was started seven and a half years ago and just has been kind of in the right place at the right time and been led by extraordinary individuals that have been really committed to mindfulness. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky enough to be there and we tend to rely on the expertise of the leading people in the mindfulness field. So, you know, I don't consider myself a mindfulness expert other than just my own personal experience. But, you know, in any given day, we're in touch with, you know, Amishi Jha, who's like this incredible neuroscientist down at University of Miami, Sharon Salzberg, John Kabat-Zinn. I mean, it's just an extraordinary group of people who have been so generous with their time and their practices, you know, to share it with mindful. So, yeah, I'm just lucky. I'm an editor. And as an editor, you know, my job is really to curate, is to just choose amongst, you know, an extraordinary amount of material, what can be the most relevant, important, pressing, delightful, surprising, useful, practical things that, that people kind of need to know or can benefit from now. And part is being able to kind of anticipate what things keep people can, you know, can use and, and, and benefit from. And, you know, our current issue right now is loving kindness. And it was just one of the most extraordinary serendipitous things that we're working on an issue, you know, about loving kindness when that seems so necessary, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. people to be able to hold themselves with kindness, be able to experience the whole COVID coronavirus thing with kindness, with self-compassion. And as we enter this extraordinary moment with Black Lives Matter, Matter which has been in the background for years, mm-hmm. but it's finally kind of blossoming. You know, loving kindness is one of those things that we, we just really need. To yeah. be able to hold ourselves with compassion, to be able to hold other people and their stories with compassion, and to be able to listen, and to mm-hmm. really be able to listen and to mm-hmm. hear. Mm. I love what you're talking about uh, with regard to loving kindness and compassion, because I feel like so, so many people, everybody needs, everybody needs it right now. I mean, I feel like so, there's so many different layers that we are going through right now with the current circumstances of the world and, you know, people, especially the black community being seen and being heard. And I think it's very important for us to continue to listen and to do our work. But I also feel like there's, I'm not saying, but to negate that I'm saying in addition, maybe in addition to, I think it's really important for us to hold these intense emotions with, with loving kindness and to be able to reflect to each other. There's so, I mean, I, it's been so wild, even for me, you know, as, as a a person of color to, to just be on social media and, and read comments or see how people feel so attacked or feel like they haven't had their voices heard, you know, and to me, it's, it's a lot easier for me to step into a state of, being compassionate and and knowing the the pain or the hurt or even just trying to empathize with it and uh, listening. I mean, really, it's just like standing there, like 
listening. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is having a hard time with just dealing with her role in this whole, um, in this whole movement. You know, she's, she's black and we've known each other for a long time and she feels this bubbling up of wanting to, she's also a teacher, yoga teacher, and of wanting to express so much, but at the same time, wanting to hold herself and protect herself and protect her energy and, and just experience the beauty of people coming together. And to me, I feel that if we focus more on the beautiful things that are happening right now, the the light that is being shined on injustice, the light that's being shined on uh, matters that have been happening for a long time and just be hopeful about it, to be excited about what we are going to create with this knowledge. I think it'll create a different level of intensity within all of us, right? That's not me trying to not feel uncomfortable. I mean, I, I know being in the discomfort, it's all part of the practice, right? It's all part of this whole idea. And I'm actually curious what you think about that too. Um, this idea of being able to sit, and I've been sitting in the discomfort since we started quarantine, right? Because I'm, I just, what is happening? What are, what's all this information coming in and what is right? What is wrong? What is real? What is not real? How does my body feel? How do I feel? What do I believe? How does this resonate with me, right? The questions that are important that come after being completely depleted from all of my energy. I'm curious for you how it's been on your end, and especially as a person who has this uh, megaphone for our wellness community. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because there's this, there's on the one hand, there's this enormous pandemic, right, that we've been living through for however many weeks, six, eight, you know, 10 weeks, whatever, it's kind of been sort of coming on the horizon. And then there's also this extraordinary Black Lives Matter movement. And in some ways, I mean, don't, they don't even equate. I mean, there is so, you know, they're, 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 anyways, they're affecting people in so many different ways. But for me personally, I mean, the coronavirus has been so easy. I mean, I, I, I feel guilty that I've been so lightly affected. I mean, for me as a mother with three teenagers, yeah. you know, it, it's actually been very easy. I know where my kids are all the time. Um, and it's been, you know, so I, and, and for me, it's a pleasure to spend time with my kids. So getting, you know, stuck, if you will, in a small house with them has been, has been easy and pleasurable and fun. And we've really come together and, and it's been great. Um, of course, obviously, you know, 110,000 people have died. And so it's, it's, an, you know, it's also been traumatic and terrible and devastating and painful and hurtful. It's just in my own tiny little world, I haven't personally been affected. However, obviously I've been aware of that. But with the Black Lives Matter, I think that mindfulness there is, is so, it's like turning up the volume on people's pain. And I think that because as a brand, we've had our ear to the ground in many ways. Um, you know, I've been the beneficiary of having difficult and painful conversations and painful in the sense of having to hear things as a white woman that are hard to hear that I was so naive, I didn't know. And 
I've been, the, again, the beneficiary of extraordinary mindfulness teachers who have shared insights, blind spots with me that, um, that I've, you know, I've learned a lot. So as I've sort of, as, as, you know, we've gone through this movement, it's been extremely beneficial in a personal way for me to be able to hopefully communicate some of those insights in ways that, that people can hear because it's, there is so much that needs to be listened to mm-hmm. and there is so much pain and injustice mm-hmm. that we need to reckon with. We as a culture and it's hard. And, 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 you know, there is so much and so many perspectives that, um, that we need to hold space for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a brand, as an organization, you know, we're gratified to be in a place where we can help people hopefully hear other points of view and to be able to hold those, even hold them when they're very, very difficult. So, yeah, there's just a lot of work that, that needs to be done, that is being done, that can be done. And I hear what you're saying about the looking, you know, at the, at the light that's coming forward, looking at the bright side. Mm-hmm. I think as, an, as, a, as a country, we've shifted extraordinarily in a very short period of time. When I look and see, you know, all different age groups, all different ethnicities supporting Black Lives Matter. Whereas I think other folks, you know, a while ago would have thought, well, that's not my problem. That doesn't affect me. I'm not responsible. I can't do anything. And to see this extraordinary groundswell of people coming up and saying, no, as a white person, this is my responsibility. I have a role to play. I have a recognition here to play. it's just been important and, and extraordinary. So, yeah, I mean, we are in the midst of so many shifts and so much sense of shared responsibility. I and mean, even coronavirus, we have a shared responsibility of wearing our face masks and of being responsible for mm-hmm. how we're caring for our health and how we're caring for the health of others. So, yeah, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary time. And yeah listening and compassion and loving kindness are all such important elements and self-awareness emotional awareness having difficult conversations it's all this is this is the time that we're living in and especially when tensions run high now is the time to be able to come to a place to be able to to keep our own energy levels high enough that we can listen, we can be there, we can mediate, we can, we can try to absorb things, even if we don't understand things, we can hold them and say, let me, let me sit with that for a while. Let me, let me give that, let me give that time to really let that resonate and let me hear what I think I need to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a difficult. Out. It's such a difficult thing for us to just. To me, we've never done this. But we've never had a pandemic before, um, and we have had civil rights movements before. I mean, obviously not in my time, but but to me, we're just we're on an amplified level. And one of the things that I want to say, just with regard to the wellness community, is that 
Um, I believe that more platforms are getting on board with showcasing more people of color. And that's one of the things that I really loved about Mindful. I feel like you guys have always done such a great job with representing different people, different ethnic backgrounds, different perspectives. Um, for me, it, it was it seemed very welcoming because there are other places that other, I'm not going to name them because it, I don't think it matters, but there are other wellness publications that are just now getting on board. And I really do believe in the mindfulness principles of being able to you know, have this idea of equanimity within ourselves. We need to have peace and connection with our external environment. We need to be able to create this deep level of understanding and compassion. Um, me blocking off my beliefs and feelings and being stagnant and, and embedded, it's going to keep me from learning something else. Yeah. And I feel like that's Especially, I mean, I've seen this a lot in the yoga community. People get really righteous about what they believe. There was, I like to post a lot of silly things on Instagram. I do a lot of meditation memes and yoga memes. And somebody messaged me one time I posted something about uh, like the coronavirus or something with a video of Beyonce and somebody messaged me. It was a couple of people, but this one really struck me. I think I was just in an emotional space that said that how could I call myself a teacher and a leader if I, if I was posting memes and how unyogic it was for me to do that. And I was just so taken aback because first of all, I don't believe in the word unyogic. I think the minute you use the word unyogic, it's implicit that it's, <laughs> that it's, it's unyogic to use the word unyogic. But it just struck me from this place of, wow, there are people that do just believe in this one single path and that's the way that we have to be. And these are the things that we have to believe and there's no deviating from this one way. And I feel like that is so metaphorical to just the beliefs that we have and the things that we're conditioned to believe. And it's, in my opinion, closing us off from really achieving everything that you're saying. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's funny. It's kind of like, you know, everything is, is graduated, right? So when you start down this kind of path, it's very easy in some ways. I mean, it's got its own challenges, but it's very easy, if you will, to sort of find your own sense of spaciousness and your own sense of, you know, almost righteousness, right? But what's even more <laughs> difficult is to be able to hold your own point of view and to be able to hold somebody else's point of view and to do it with the same grace and, and you know, generosity holding their point of view as you hold your own, you know? And that's really, that's really the challenge because in order to communicate what you're, you know, whatever it is you wanna do, you, you have to have that, that emotional empathy, that ability to understand not only what are you thinking, what is your own point of equanimity, but what is somebody else's point of equanimity, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. then when you can respect that and understand and you're coming from a place of a true respect and true recognition, then you can kind of 
begin a real dialogue. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Even the idea of being yogic or unyogic, you know, because part of what is extraordinary, if you will, about mindfulness or mindful or any of that is, is the ability also to see reality as it is. You know, I, I find that sometimes when you sort of have conversations with folks, there's this desire to sort of make everything, you know, beautified. You know, you get those photos and everything is perfect and everything has got this sort of gauzy, yellowy glow. It's all so perfect. And, you know, we're just perpetuating myths. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you know, part of mindfulness. Yes, of course, we want to be in that place of tremendous equanimity, that glimpse of the extraordinary, this like amazing place. We're all connected and everything is perfect. And it's all like just uh, extraordinary. But the reality is we're living, we're living in a world with sharp edges and grit and difficulty and pain and passion and confusion and all of that stuff. And the real trick is to be able to have that sense of equanimity and, and, and respect in the midst of that. I remember this marvelous yoga teacher said, you know, it's great when you can do a difficult pose all by yourself. What's really hard is when you can do a difficult pose and somebody's foot is right, is, you know, an inch from your nose because you're doing, you know, maybe something yeah. so close or somebody's wobbling or somebody mm-hmm. like that's really, that's really challenging. This episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Now, if you're anything like me, you have been spending an abundant amount of time in bed. And this isn't actually a bad thing. Bringing comfort into our home is one of the most ultimate acts of self-care. And now more than ever, it's important for us to do things that make us feel nourished, rested, and comfortable. Brooklinen products help you find the comfort in the little things like morning routines, extra soft sheets, plush towels, comfortable loungewear, and a good night's sleep is absolutely priceless. Many of you know I am such a nighttime ritual fanatic. So Brooklinen has helped me build a bedroom oasis that is a perfect place to escape. Brooklinen's Memorial Day event is going on now. So you don't want to miss out on all the big savings, including their newest Hammond and Linen collections. But if you can't wait, get 10% off of your first order and free shipping with the promo code LOVED. That's L-O-V-E-D, only at brooklinen.com. So for everything that you need for the most comfortable life, go to brooklinen.com and enter the code LOVED to get 10% off of your first order. And now back to our show. I really love how yoga is that metaphor for how we do anything. How you do anything on the mat is how you do everything and how we can show up and how we can create that level of balance, that level of awareness, that level of union when we do our practice, when we do what we do. You know, one of my fr- another friend of mine that I've been, I've been chatting with was saying, um, she's, you know, having a lot of confrontational um, conversations with, with people that she, her, her family, you know, she's white and she has 
out, been really outspoken about having uh, been raised a certain way and how her, her parents have their own prejudices. And she's been trying to have these conversations with them about opening their mind or, or changing their perspective. And she's just very confronted with, with how she can, if she feels hopeless, She's like, I can't, how am I supposed to change anything if I can't even help change the people that are closest to me? And, you know, one of the things that I said, I said, it's not your responsibility to change anyone. It's not, it's not your responsibility to change anyone. It's your responsibility to do the work for yourself, right? It's, it's your own responsibility to care for yourself, to change your own perspective, to broaden your, your understanding, to look with your, uh, you know, through, through a wider lens um, and understand things in a different, in a different way. One of the things that I, I like to write, well, the, it, I'm writing about this currently, but how our biggest form of rebellion, and, and I say this coming from, uh, you know, growing up in a, a very uh, underprivileged environment, um, where your health is the biggest form of rebellion, taking mm-hmm. care of your, taking care of your health, taking care of your mental health, taking care of your, the pharmacy that exists within your body and your mind being the most active form of rebellion that you can possibly do. And, um, I think that's so important. I think that it, it ties into what I was saying to her about, the change has to start within ourselves first is everything that you're saying. And, and I just, I, I love our ability to take our time to integrate those things. That's another thing is people are evolving at different capacities, right? Like I'm sure you've seen this in your lifetime of seeing people grow, you know, writing books, being in different spaces in the publication space, like being able to see how people grow over time. Uh, and and I, my, one of the questions I want to ask you is on the, this idea of, of being patient and letting things ruminate and, and grow from a state of understanding and seeing everything laid out as opposed to being reactive and not weighing everything in. So what is your perspective on us being patient and, and what you think we should be doing right now for just our own practice? Well, you know, there's different layers of patience, right? There's, there's, you know, it's like, Patients can be measured in, in seconds, minutes, weeks, months, and years, you know. Um, and so, you know, it all depends. I mean, I'm thinking about what you were describing about your friend and going into a conversation with her family where the desire is to change her family's point of view. And, you know, it... it that, that sense, in some ways, going, in some ways, that's the hard, those are the hardest people to change because they're looking at her, I would imagine, through a lens of years and years and years. So they're not just looking at the lens and sort of saying, oh, here's my daughter coming to me and talking to me about this issue. It's like, no, I would imagine the mother is seeing a six-year-old and a 12-year-old and an eight-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old coming and having this conversation. So there's so much history 
that is part of that conversation that has nothing to do with what your friend is trying to communicate. And when you just perhaps start with the patience of accepting, perhaps the goal can be, I want to be in the room with this person who has very different points of view than me. And can we just be here together? Can we just sit together? Can we just be together? And in almost like a wordless way, have that bond and that togetherness because nothing ever really gets accomplished in those kinds of conflicts where there's this opposition, this intense opposition. Mm -hmm. So if the patience is like, I want to be able to communicate, I want to be together and to communicate, if perhaps the first goal is just to find those moments of togetherness and to, to reestablish that beautiful fluid bond, the patience may take a long time to get to the place where that conversation can really happen. But I'm, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm coming to believe in patience and letting go in some ways and allowing. You know, it's funny, my word right now is allowing. And that is so antithetical to years and years of achieving and going and getting and saying and goal setting and I'm going to do it and I'm committed and then, 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 you know, to allowing. And that is just, it's a, it's a very difficult, very difficult for goal-oriented people to allow. And yet I think in some ways it's essential because allowing allows us to see each other. Mm -hmm. And when we see each other across these tremendous divides, the divide isn't something that can just be, you know, dispensed within a conversation. We're talking years of different experiences. So, you know, coming at it from a kind of a mindful point of view is really saying, what are your goals here? What are your goals? Are your goals simply to see somebody in their humanity and not have that person see you? What if your goal is to see them? Wow. You know, I find that when you see people, you really look in somebody's eyes and you see them and you hear them and you feel them. I mean, I can, I'm an empath. So, you know, part of what I do and part of the work that I, I do is to be able to try to see and understand somebody else's perspective and to be able to anticipate what that person might want. But I think to be able to come out of our own space and to see somebody else's and to feel a bit of that, I think those are those wordless communications that are just essential. Mm. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. And I think it's absolutely 100% true. Well, conversations going on. And so I'm not going to pretend that you know, all of it is wordless. Not all of it is wordless, but showing up is, is you know, 90% of it. Right? Yeah. Showing up and being there and being willing to expose yourself. I think sometimes it's such an interesting exercise to go and to say, you know, today I'm going to focus on what somebody else is saying. I'm not even going to try to say my point of view. Let me just Take the pressure off having the right thing to say. What if I just focus today 
for this next hour on really listening, you know, and yeah. see what you can make there. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree with that. Be our guru, Anne. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the other thing I was going to say that you were saying before was about, you know, focusing on yourself and self-care and trying to be in a place of peace and all of that. And even just allowing yourself, I find, just to recognize your own hypocrisy and nuttiness and silliness mm. and you know just the ridiculousness which what you know that we have you know that you can be in a yoga class and you're like I'm so zen I'm so one with the world you know and then you go out and you're like that lady is taking too much time in the bank why isn't she faster you know or why does everyone have to talk so much it's my turn you know <laughs> and it's just our own absurdity and to be able to laugh <laughs> Your own ridiculousness yeah. is part of part of it too, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. I I used to be in that hurry up to get to yoga class. I live in LA, and so driving in traffic, I just remember being so like stressed out. And I I make fun of myself all the time because I would be stressed out to hurry to to relax. Like I'm just oh oh that. That lady took my parking spot. Now I have to go around. Uh, 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 you know, with this whole Black Lives Matter, it's like the, the judgment that we hold other oh, yeah. people with and the anger and the venom. You know, I could see myself this morning. I was on social media and I could see a post and it was so irritating and galling and despicable and all that stuff. And I, I had it and I was circling it and I was going to say something. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> What am I doing? I am perpetuating. I'm angered and irritated by it. What am I going to do? I'm going to anger and irritate my social world? No, no. Is that a good use of time? By perpetuating that and saying, well, you know, hate still exists. But people know hate still exists. You know, that's not going to solve the problem. So even stopping and questioning ourselves and saying, how mindful are my intentions? What am I really trying to accomplish here? And, you know, not that we're going to just all be perfect and avoid ever stepping on an ant. I mean, of course, you know, we're all human. We say and do a tremendous amount of dumb, thoughtless, ridiculous things, Mm -hmm. but to give ourselves the grace and the generosity to begin again and to begin again and to begin again and to begin again. And, you know, we want, we forgive ourselves. I'm like, oh, well, I was having a bad day. Or, oh, that was ridiculous. Or, oh, can we show that same amount of generosity and understanding to others? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. A hundred percent. It's so interesting right now with what's happening and people sort of um, calling out influencers or people in the space. There's a lot of this shining a light to not treating people equally or not knowing how to have the right conversation and this whole cancel culture, right? Where people are getting thrown off of their pedestals. And I feel two ways about it. The first thing is I always say, be careful who your idols are. You put anybody on a pedestal, you're only setting them up for failure. 
That's, that's really what you're doing. You're setting people up to fail because people are human. Not everybody's always going to agree with you. And the whole practice and the whole idea is to be able to hold that same compassionate love when people don't agree with you, when you have different points of view. That's how we create change. That's how we actually become examples of the change that we're trying to create in the world is to really hold yourself accountable for your own your own energy in in the way that you're showing up in the world and not put it on somebody else like oh you're supposed to be perfect you're supposed to actually believe the same things i believe so i feel like there's a lot of that going on right now which i personally do not agree with i don't think anybody should i don't think anybody should should be made look are there people out there, influencers in space, I can say this, that I don't agree with and that I feel like the whole time they may have not been promoting who they really are and now the world is showing who they really are? Yeah, I, I think there's people like that, 100%. I don't follow those people because I, I, just, I just don't. But people that have been, that feel like they've been duped are feeling really angry about that. They're feeling some kind of way. And I, I still don't agree with this whole idea of canceling people because I put myself in this position of, okay, I don't agree with this person. Yeah, this person fucked up. And yeah, they're maybe not saying the right thing. But we don't know what this person's mental state is. Right. You know? right. We don't know what anybody's mental state is, right? We don't know. To me, I'm like, any. we're not going to solve the hate and the ignorance by more hate and ignorance. Yeah. And, and it's also contextual, right? You know, I think that's what is oftentimes lost in the cancel culture as well, is that is somebody just, was this a thoughtless misstep? You know, was this just, because, you know, we're all, like, we are all fully capable of being thoughtless and saying stupid things. Uh -huh. And, you know, but if, you know, but then on the other hand, if there's tremendous intentionality behind it and thought and sort of, you know, intentionally hurtful, stupid things, then... <laughs> you know, then, then like you said, you, you don't want to follow that person. You don't want to hang around with them. You don't want to promote them. You don't want to support them. Yeah. I, you know, I, I find that the cancel culture, I mean, I'm not going to make it, I, it sounds stupid to make a blanket statement, but I, but I think, I think the hard work is having hard conversations mm -hmm. and that takes a tremendous amount of commitment. And obviously there's, there is value in the cancel culture where you say, you know, I'm not going to buy this particular brand because I don't like their stand. And I think, right. I think that's a wonderful way to support, you know, what companies are on the right side, what companies yes. can make actual substantive change and, and doing it out loud. And I think, you know, that way we can, you know, we can vote with our feet, we can vote with our pocketbook, we can vote in so many different ways, mm -hmm. but just to sort of say, oh, well, that was a stupid thing. Therefore, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore it's a really, it can be a very um, short-sighted way. It doesn't really solve anything because yeah. it's in the dialogue that people feel heard. It's in the dialogue that we learn. And, you know, there's a lot of new learning that people need to do. And our levels of exposure are so different. So this sort of gets back to your earlier point, which is, you know, there are people who are just at the beginning of the learning curve. There are people who are just, just, just getting their feet wet. There are people who, you know, we hear it all the time. Oh, I can't meditate. Oh, I can't be mindful. I have too many thoughts going around in my head. 
And they have so many misconceptions about what mindfulness is. And that just, you know, stepping back in the ability over time to learn to see those thoughts, those thoughts don't all just evaporate. It's not like you suddenly become this sort of blank screen of calm. It's like, no, it's this extraordinary ability to be able to see your thoughts non-judgmentally and then to be able to say, oh, this is what I really think. This is what I'm thinking about. This is how I'm spending my mental time. Oh, let me get, let me, is that really, is that really, let me, let me, let me weigh that. Is that how I really want to spend my mental time, my mental energy? So yes, you know, we're dealing with a tremendous cultural shift going on right now. I mean, when else have we done things, you know, even with coronavirus, you know, we as a country are talking about things that are affecting, you know, 320 million people simultaneously. When have 320 million people been talking about the same thing? <laughs> Not very often. Yeah. I don't, I don't know when in the history, like we had, I have no idea. When have we ever been this technologically connected? Right. Where we can see what everything back in the day, I mean, how long did it take for, I mean, word travels fast, but how fast does it really travel, especially back in the day when we didn't have the internet? And now we have this ridiculous thing of social media where people can be in their own bubble and they can have been exposed to simply ideas and thoughts and information that, that they just believed. So, whoa, new information coming from inside or outside the bubble? That's a lot for all of us to metabolize, you know, and to sort of take on and to think through and to value and to sort of say, ooh, let me, let me think that through. How can I? How, how, sh- how can I respond to that? Yes. And what I love is some of the teachers – you know, because what we've been talking about right now, the last couple of minutes has really just been about like the mental process of thinking this through. And there's this whole other aspect, which is the physical aspect when confronted by things like the fear of coronavirus or, you know, the, 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 the visions on, on television of, of, you know, the fires that were sort of first happening and some of the rioting that was first happening and kind of the visceral reaction to that. And of course, the tragedy and the, 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 the you know, the death of, of um, you know, George Floyd. I mean, that, it, you, all of this trauma, all of this is coming in and it's, it's, it's not just in our minds, it's also in our bodies and how we absorb that, how we react to that, how we metabolize that has a tremendous impact. All of this stress of coronavirus, having a fascinating conversation a couple of weeks ago with Amishi Ja, who's a neuroscientist down at University of Miami, who's done extraordinary work in the field of mindfulness, um, talking about how... Um, these sort of unpredictable situations, coronavirus. And I would imagine, you know, our she and I, we talked before the Black Lives Matter movement really started to, um, to, to really, you know, blossom in our country. But just, she was talking about how the mind and the brain, um, you know, really struggles to hold all of these various things at the same time. And, you know, and that's why we have this forgetfulness. And that's why we have, 
you know, the sort of brain fog that we're experiencing. So anyways, long way of saying, you know, the experiences that we're having are so complex and they affect us in how we communicate and how we're thinking, but also in how physically our bodies are responding to this. And, you know, you with your yoga practice, I'm sure you must be giving people just tremendous relief and access to that. You know, we all try to sort of pretend like things are happening just from the neck up. Mm -hmm. And so much of this is happening you know, in our bodies. Yeah. Um, and at night while we're trying to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and our brains are like, Oh yeah. I am a huge, I'm, I mean, I I've been teaching yoga nidra for a while now, but that is my main source right now. I'm leading a 100 hour yoga uh, nidra teacher training. Like I am so into just bringing more awareness and intention behind the importance of sleep, yes, which is yeah. so important for our mental health, for everything, our, our, our metabolism, our hormones, yes. our brain function, everything. So, and I can talk to you forever. I feel like I have questions here that I didn't even get to ask you. So I'm, I'm going to be a mindful, <laughs> little shout out. And, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to invite you to come back if you would, if you would come back and see us. Oh, I would be delighted. I would be delighted because likewise, I didn't get a chance to ask you any questions and I would, I would love it. I love your platform. I love your voice and I love your, your intention of bringing all of these disparate kind of points of view and thoughts and, and, and modalities that can help people. God bless you. Keep going. Keep it up for you. Thanks, Anne. So for the people that are listening right now, where can they go to connect with you or for more information? Oh, absolutely. Um, Come in all shape and forms to mindful.org. We're on Facebook, you know, we're on Instagram. Absolutely. Of course, we have a magazine as well, but mindful.org is like the best starting place. Great. And have a landing page. I mean, our art director... Hey guys, sorry, I, I may have paused us in the recording. There's going to be a little blip. I apologize. But anyway, so yeah, so all of the links that Anne just mentioned will be in the info button on the show notes. So you can go there and subscribe, follow, support, and um, please, please, please share this episode with anybody who you think would um, would learn something or be inspired or just you know, want to hear two ladies that love, that want to love on them, you, all of you, <laughs> two ladies that want to just love on someone, everyone. We want to love and kindness on everyone. So thank you all so, so much for being here, for being part of this incredible community. We hear you. We see you. We are so committed to creating a deep impact and change here at Radically Loved. And we're just so grateful for all of you who are listening. Thank you for sticking with us and thank you for joining us today. And thank you for all the work that you have done. First of all, we didn't even get to talk about all the the incredible work that you've done in the past and the work that you continue to do. Thank you for um, being inclusive and for creating a platform where everybody feels welcome, where you're continuing to provide information that makes us learn and inquire within and makes us feel supported. So thank you so much. Rosie, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.